Hello and welcome to another episode of the Book Baby Spotlight Podcast, your home for conversations with authors, illustrators, editors, and other industry insiders from the world of self-publishing. Joining me today will be two pros from that final group, Marissa Eigenbrood and Lindsay Brodowski from Smith Publicity. Smith Publicity was founded in 1998 by Dan Smith. They quickly became one of the premier book marketing agencies in the world. They were the first agency to have a self-published print-on-demand novelist featured in the New York Times bestsellers list and developed the popular book-as-a-business card marketing philosophy. Currently, they have offices in New Jersey and Toronto, with the former being only a few miles from BookBaby's own headquarters. BookBaby's relationship with Smith began in 2017 with the launch of our marketing consultation service, where our authors can benefit from incredibly helpful consultations with experienced professionals at Smith. Since then, they've helped hundreds of our authors make their books a success. Uh, Marissa Eigenbrudes currently works as their vice president, and Lindsay Brodowski as a publicist and social media strategist. They both have years of experience in marketing and the book industry and were kind enough to sit down with me for a great conversation. Marissa, Lindsay, thanks for making the long trek from Cherry Hill. I know, it was quite far to get all the way here to Pensacola, right? So let's jump right in. I know you guys aren't old enough for the freewheeling madman days of advertising, uh, but what do you think are the biggest changes in advertising since you've been in the industry? Sure. Well, um, for us at Smith Publicity, um, we're not so much in advertising as we are more so public relations, and we're doing publicity and and marketing for uh, authors and publishers. But um, I've actually been with Smith for ten years, so I've seen some some big shifts that you know within our particular industry that have happened in this time, and um, you know. I think one of the biggest changes has been the the evolution of the media, for sure, of the types of media that are really grabbing attention, um, you know, for for authors and for their their projects, and uh, and then with regards to um, to the ways in which authors have the opportunity to market their book. There's so many different channels through which they can share it with you know different targeted audiences. I think that's that's grown, given authors an opportunity to to really build awareness for for their work. Great. We definitely have lots to talk about on social media coming up. So does Smith Publicity work primarily in self-publishing, or do you also work on traditionally published books? We work with all genres and uh, all different publishing venues, um, you know, different publishing options. We are, you know, we work with traditionally publisher, traditional publishers and traditionally published authors in different capacities. Um, everyone from Wiley and HarperCollins to, um, to Simon and Schuster and more, you know, kind of niche publishers like New Harbinger. Um, and then we work with a lot of our great hybrids that are coming out into the world today as well. Um, page two, Girl Friday, um, Scribe. And then, uh, and then we really do love our self-published author. That's really what we started our company on. So, um, again, with with companies like Book Baby, you know, we have the opportunity to have really high quality self-published titles to work with. And uh, you know, it's if the, if the author's goals and the project align with the work that we do, we we love to take on our, our self-published authors as well. So what's the biggest difference that you see between self-published and traditionally published books or authors? That's a really great question. Um, I think that. One of the the biggest differences that I see is kind of the the entrepreneurial spirit that comes with a self-published author is really exciting. Um, You know, the self-published author has that control over their project. They have the control to make the decisions, to build their teams around their project and are, um, are really 
most of the time, you know, again, traditionally published authors are absolutely wanting, willing and ready to put the work in. But the self-published author just has a little extra buy-in there because they're they're really the one driving the project forward. So um, seeing that passion and and um, and you know seeing that that spirit that they bring to the project is really exciting. Um, you know, there are just so many wonderful resources that are available to to develop their book through editing, through design, through cover that I would say the differences of, you know, days gone by where you could look at a book and tell if it was self-published or traditionally published. It's not as often anymore um, because of those great channels. So I think that one of the biggest things is just the the energy the author brings in and, and they're just at a different level than the traditionally published author might be at. So do you think the industry is flattening where the traditional publishers are becoming more like self-publishers and expect more from their authors? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, from the conversations we're having with traditional publishers, they are, you know, if you want to sell books, it's not just happening through individual sales through media or individual sales through, um, you know, through certain marketing opportunities. It really is about tapping into the author's network. An author's network has never been more important than it is today. Not just your social media network, but professional who you know personally, uh, really just tapping into that network and utilizing the people you know to help you with your project is so important. So um, traditional publishers are absolutely calling upon their authors. You know, if your name isn't James Patterson or J.K. Rowling, you're being expected to really come in with your network and 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 to get your hands dirty, you know, in the process and, and really get ready to work. So does that go along with the author brand idea where you're constantly promoting yourself? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we oftentimes tell our authors that we work with that your book is your business card, uh, that, you know, you're establishing an author brand and presence and not just, you know, a regular guy on the street. Um, and that goes a lot with social media too, with it being such a great channel to kind of create a brand, you know, that wasn't accessible to any sort of author uh, 20 years ago. Um, so yeah, that brand recognition really comes in handy when especially, you know, if you're creating a series and you want to be recognized as an author of, you know, this YA series or what have you, creating a brand for yourself really goes a long way, um, you know, with any, no matter what genre you're in, if mm -hmm. you want to be the expert in business books, or if you want to be the next JK Rowling, as Marissa said. Yeah, they've got to establish their authority as one of our previous guests mentioned. So, yeah, yes. yeah, definitely doing that and, and building the fan base too, you know, creating that long-term audience engagement. Yeah. As Lindsay said, if you're creating a series, you don't want to have to start from scratch when book three comes out. Mm -hmm. You want to have that audience engaged over time. So really through the through your online presence, through your social media platforms, a newsletter you're sending out mm -hmm. or speaking that you do, creating that long-term audience engagement is only going to benefit you later on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So with a brand new author, say they come to you and want to sell their book, it's already been released. So what's the mistake there? What should that timeline look like? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. Timeline is, is very genre dependent um, and goal dependent too. But what I would say is that whether you are a business author, a cookbook you know, author, <laughs> uh, you know, you wrote a diet book or you have a new romance novel, um, it's never too late to get started on building your presence. Um, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, if your book's already out and you're, um, you know, you're a nonfiction author who you have, you have expertise in your space, then being able to, you know, again, share your voice further. And as Lindsay said earlier, use your book like a business card then where 
you're not going to expect reviews of your book so much when once it's out um, from the traditional media space, but you can still tap your network. You can still get people that you work with engaged in helping you build up your Amazon reviews. Um, again, another really important place to, to be focusing on at no matter the stage of, of your book's kind of, you know, lifetime. Um, but then even if, if you are fiction, there's, you know, that's a little bit more limited space in terms of the media and the, the um, pre-launch efforts that can go on. But post-launch, once your book is available out there as a fiction author, again, if you have other ideas for future books, not necessarily in the same series, but just other ideas, it's still a great time to conduct giveaways and, and get people excited through your social media platforms, maybe consider creating a website for yourself. Um, so, so really, at any time, you can you can get started on marketing efforts for sure. But what if you were in a perfect situation and got to lay out the timeline in advance? Where would you start with, say, an Agatha Christie-style mystery novel? Definitely, for fiction in particular, the more advanced time you can get, the better to start building the attention, to build those networks. Um, when it comes to traditional media for fiction, uh, having at least you know five or six month lead time to start planning your media outreach is really important and to submit the book for certain reviews to be considered. Um, but it really, you know, the, the sooner you can start getting the word out there, just start getting people excited about the fact that your book's going to be coming out, um, the better. And, you know, in, in, get, even stepping aside from fiction, I think the thing, same thing applies to nonfiction, whether you have an established audience or not, the sooner you can get started. You know, if you have the luxury of nine months to start thinking about it, a year to start thinking about it, Definitely do so. Definitely start, start to talk to somebody, talk to a friend, talk to a company like Book Baby or as a Smith or someone who is in this space. Get start asking questions and getting to know. You know, what should I be thinking about at different stages of my book launch process? And um, Lindsay, if you want to talk about social media for for sure in terms of when yeah, to get started there. Um, again, very similar. You know, the sooner the better. Um, especially, you know, once you have that book out and people can see that you already kind of have an established fan base or followers, you know, that kind of piques their interest a little bit more. Um, you know, as soon as you kind of have the tools to uh, start creating this brand on social media uh, is when you should launch it. Um, with that being said, you know, if you have the book cover that you can make as like a cover image or an author photo or just a little bit of meat behind the book to say when it's going to be coming out um, and not just, you know, simply simply saying, I'm going to write a book eventually. Like, that doesn't really, <laughs> that doesn't really establish well as, you know, uh, you know, a branded page, if you will. Uh, so once you kind of have all those tools in place, um, you know, get it launched as soon as you can and start, you know, really interacting with people, um, you know, as soon as you are able to, because, uh, you know, the engagement goes both ways. Uh, so, you know, when you're starting to follow pages, interact with other fans, things like that is when um, it's going to turn around and people are going to be interacting with you. Um, and, you know, you want to build that as soon as possible so that, you know, you don't have your book out. And, you know, if you only have a few followers, that's okay. But you could have had a larger audience if you started sooner. So say they are nine months out. Uh, what's the first thing they should be thinking about? I think developing like an actual book marketing plan to start off with is really important. Um, all of these different elements, whether it's submitting your book for awards, whether it's developing social media platforms, whether it's thinking about how you're tapping into your network, really starting to hi highlight those specific initiatives that are really important for your genre. Um, the book marketing planner that we have available, Book Baby, is really awesome for that. But it's it, being able to 
kind of look at the the timeline that you have available to you and the the channels you might already have established, where to start maximizing, but just developing a plan. <laughs> you know, so you can also have a timeline as part of that too and know by this date I want to have this done. Um what that, is this in that situation? Yeah, I would say so, you know, we might say by uh by six months out from my publication date, I want to have um you know, I want to have an initial email out to everybody that I know, everybody on my email list. And that, again, you don't have to have this big business email list. It could right. be 20 of your closest family and friends. But I want to announce to everybody, hey, I'm so excited. I have a book coming out in six months. And I'm going to be looking to you to help me out. And, and you might not say exactly what that is yet. But at six months out, it might be that message um, if you have the luxury of that time. At nine months out, when you have that book marketing plan, number one on the list should be let's start building that social media following yeah. <laughs> because, again, it, it's organic. It needs to take time to, to really build up in, in that organic way and keep those people engaged with you over time. Right. Um, so really very much thinking about building out a plan and then the timeline that goes along with it. And for not forgetting that that timeline extends beyond your publication date too. Your marketing and your publicity and any other initiatives should not end the day your book comes out. That's actually just the beginning because that's officially when people can buy your book. So I'm going to make sure that that continues well, well beyond your publication date into things like, you know, speaking or kind of doing signings and events and connecting with your local libraries and bookstores and, um, you know, really thinking about how you can connect to book clubs, things like that to expand the audience for your book. How do you find a book club? That's a great question. Starting locally is really important, especially as a newer author. It's really important to think about the network that's available to you locally. Um, you know, in the time leading up to the launch of your book, don't be afraid to, to start to do research and look at those in your community. Are there writers groups in your community that you can be a part of that can be a resource to you for asking questions, looking for information? Um, they, that those writers groups could direct you to book clubs they've worked with before, but also really just, you know, kind of thinking about the subject matter of your book and then looking into not just if, is there a book club there, but you know, if you have a book about maybe family dynamics, it could be a novel, but it's really covering, um, you know, some kind of unique family dynamics. Is there maybe an organization in the area that kind of addresses the same type of family dynamics that they might have a program that you could be getting into as well? So, but starting locally makes it feel like it's not such a giant pro thing to take on. If you're trying to find book clubs across the whole country, it can feel very daunting when you're kind of searching online. But there's a lot of great resources. Um, Where Writers Win is a great place that has some really, you know, um, they have kind of lists and different um, kind of databases established of, of some book clubs and things like that. We started touching a little bit on target audiences. Uh, we have a lot of authors who sign up for Facebook ads, uh, and we recommend the target audience. And they tell us, no, let's broaden it. Uh, no age restrictions, no location restrictions. Is that a good idea, bad idea? So I think a lot of people have this misconception with social media that the only way it's successful is if you have a large reach. Um, and I especially think with authors, that's not the case because, you know, they could say, oh, let's, um, you know, broaden this to every, uh, you know, every age group, every gender, things like that. But if your, you know, your main character is a 60 year old woman, you know, restarting with her life, that's not going to relate to a 20 year old boy. So, or likely not. Um, so, you know, if he sees that, use that call to action to go to your Amazon page or go to your Facebook page and actually, um, and actually buy the book. You know, you want, with social media, you want to see that result too. It's not just which, you know, creating a fan base is wonderful, but, you know, 
it only takes you so far as if um, to actually have them go in and buy the book mm-hmm. um, or, you know, promote it on their own social media and things like that. So I really do think, um, you know, that is a common misconception that the quality of the quantity rather of, you know, the social media reach that you're getting is more important than the quality. The quality absolutely goes further because those people that, you know, if you do have a targeted audience and it is a little bit smaller, those are the ones still that are interacting with you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not, there could be a thousand people that like your page, but if only 10 of them are buying your book, you know, that's not really an engagement. But if there's only 100 people and 50 of them are uh, interacting with your page buying the book, you know, percentage wise, and I'm not a math person, but but that goes a lot further. Yeah, you know, yeah. You'll, you'll be able to see right. that. Yes. <laughs> you, you can tell it's a it's a large percentage difference. Yeah. Um, and that, so, yeah, that, yeah, that expands well beyond social media, too. I mean, when we're looking at the media that we're targeting through traditional media outreach to and like where where you're spending your time as an author as we started the conversation there's so many channels through which to mm-hmm. build attention and there's not enough time in the day to really maximize all of them right. all at once so where we really encourage our authors is to to think about spending their time where their audience lives and to you know really target that outreach and that effort whether you're looking for book clubs look for book clubs for that are geared toward yeah you know, women over the age of, of 50 or whatever it might be, if that's what your, your main characters are, if that's the Mm storyline that that's connecting with, because that's your easiest in, you know, Mm -hmm. more so than it is to convince the 20 year old individual why this book is of interest to them. Um, and you know, and then that's where things start to build. That's where it starts to grow on top of it, you know, to get into that particular audience. And then, the women in that particular book club might start to share it with their other friends and share it with their, their sister or their mother, whoever it might be. And that's how you start to spread awareness about your project. But if you're able, you know, your, your, your marketing dollars and your time are going to go much further if they're targeted at a specific audience. Cause your, your project truly cannot be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it sounds like it's right. And, too it's big. Not, <laughs> and uh, to go further with that too, it's not, not everybody's target audience lives on Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously we think of Facebook when we think of social media because they have this monopoly over everybody. But, uh, you know, business books do very well in LinkedIn because, mm-hmm. you know, you're an established professional there, especially if I know I've uh, worked with authors that already have, you know, upwards to 500 connections. Um, you know, that's when LinkedIn kind of stops showing you how many they have. But, um, you know, if they're already established well on LinkedIn, you know, promoting that book is going to go a lot further with that audience than it would to create a Facebook page from the ground up where you get like a few likes to start from family and friends. Um, if it's a young adult book, definitely want to be on Instagram. You know, the Instagram is by far the most uh is the most popular. What sort of questions would you ask to get an author to start developing a target audience? Very genre specific as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're talking all about fiction here, so we can kind of stick on that that particular path. Um, I think that for fiction, understanding the themes in the book are really important. What do you think are the, the common themes that run through your book? Mm-hmm. Um, Understanding some of the key the key players, the key characters in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, what are what's their avatar? Who do they look like? You know, what kind of person are they? What experiences are they having? Um, everything from again, 
age and gender identity to any religious leanings, because that could tell you, oh, my target audience could include uh, reaching out to those with Christian interest or something along those lines as well. Um, even if you don't have a Christian novel, there could be an opportunity there. So those are just things to start thinking about. Who are your characters? What are your main themes? Um, you know, are there any aspects of your own background and your inspiration for writing that have influenced, you know, the way that why you've written your book or what is in your book? You know, think about what the book means for you and what the purpose of the book is. If you're a business author uh, who's really looking to um, bring in new business because of this business book that you're releasing, then, uh, you know, really thinking about who would most benefit from having this book as a resource. Um, what are the clients you're currently working with? And did you write this book for them? And they're going to be a, a target audience. And then, you know, may have others like um, a mental health professional who's writing a self-help book. Uh, maybe for them, their book is really geared toward young adults or teens. And we want to target, you know, think about targeting educators. Who are the people who interact with teens who would recommend this book to that teen audience? So it's, it's really, you know, again, like I said, very genre specific. Um, but those are some key questions to start thinking about is... Would you expect someone who wants to work with Smith to have done that before coming to you guys? Not completely. Um, I think that having a, a general idea, it's important as an author to have an idea of, it's totally fine if you're completely off base with it, <laughs> but at least thinking about it, you know, it's, it's great for us to know who did you envision as the ideal person to read your book? Who did you hope would pick this book up? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in, in what you envisioned for your book. And, you know, we want to then, we can then think about, okay, well, how can we build upon that? How can we think about it in a different way as well? And, um, and maybe refine what that looks like too. But they don't have to have all the answers. Uh, definitely not. I just think it's... What sort of steps would you want authors to take before coming to you? You know, I think, um, I think really thinking about the first question that we honestly typically ask, uh, you know, outside of what, what kind of what brought you to your book, how did you get here? Um, you know, what was your inspiration? You know, those types of questions we've kind of gone over. Um, the next question we ask pretty much anyone who comes to us and is interested in working with us is what are your goals for the book? Um, is it to sell, a, just sell a lot of books? Always a great thing. We always want to see that typically. Um, is it to possibly utilize it as, as a business card to, you know, lead to more speaking opportunities for you? Are you really hoping to, that this can be um, some kind of advocacy tool for a certain cause? Uh, you know, what what are the goals that you have around the book? Thinking about that and being able to come prepared to, to speak to that again, it doesn't have to be set in stone and, you know, completely what it is. Your book launch is, you know, the cliche, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's something that takes time no matter your genre, it takes ideally time before if, if we're afforded the opportunity to have it before the book launch. Um, if you have your book out already, it's it's still going to take time to build up interest, to build up a following, to to even build engagement within your own networks. Um, but it's if you're if you're ready to put the work in, it's it, it's going to happen. So um, it's it's going to look different for each person. But I think. I think that having an idea of those goals and getting... So after a book is launched, how long should an author be actively marketing? You know, six months, a year, five years? There is, I would say, for really getting direct attention for the book itself, mm. trying to fit into that, most of that in within a year of publication date would be ideal. Yeah. After one year, you, it's the book becomes 
older, <laughs> kind of old, <laughs> old, older, you know, it's, yeah. um, it there, you know, especially if you get out of the publication year, then your book becomes from last year. Um, so those are some factors that can start to limit the book centric opportunities. There's always author centric that can take you a little further, mm-hmm. but, uh, the book centric opportunities, I would say are more so discounting your ebook to a certain, you know, price point or something like that as some, some promotional options here mm-hmm. and there. Um, maybe doing that around like the anniversary publication date or something, but ideally, ideally within one yeah. year, I would say. So we're looking at six months before and a year after. How do you avoid your content getting stale, you know, selling the same thing repeatedly? Yeah. Um, I, I think that what's really important with that is knowing that you can repurpose content. <laughs> um, you know, don't think that you have to reinvent the wheel every time. If you are embarking on a publicity campaign and you get a really great review of of the book from a bookstagrammer um you know when the when that review comes out you post it on your social media you share that with your audiences and then you know what two months later you can run an ad that maybe includes a line from that review as you know just part of the information that's shared through the ad maybe a month later you do a throwback thursday on social media (laughs) and you go hey remember this great review i had about my book (laughs) Yeah, I think that there's um, yeah. there's so much where you can repurpose content and um, and and build upon it. But Lens mm-hmm. would add to that. Yeah, I would just say from a publicity standpoint <clears throat> too, um, more so with uh, nonfiction books, but can be with fiction books too, is that a lot of the times you pay attention to the news headlines. Um, if there is something breaking that you know, even if you have to tweak it a little bit to make it more so, uh, you know, you as the expert in this field as opposed to anybody else, you know. Take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if that's an opportunity to kind of make whatever your book's message is fresh and new because it's making headlines for whatever reason. Uh, you know, to kind of just put an, even if it's not in a headline, but you think it's a more so like an evergreen story, especially with um, a lot of the time, say, for instance, if you have a self help book. Uh, involving anxiety, depression, things like that. Uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So a lot of places pick up on those mental health stories. Even if your book was six months old, you can still say, you know, this person is a self-help guru, whatever they might be, author, um, you know, and can speak to this topic. They can write articles. Articles are a great great way for authors to continue to get involved in the conversation. Um, You know, exclusive essays. There's a lot of um, a lot of great websites like uh, Red Tricycle if you're a parent or like a family um, author geared towards any of those topics. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thrive Global is a really great self-help one where they have guest contributors. So even, you know, as soon as they give you the green light and say, you can be a guest contributor to our site, you can write articles for them as you please. You know, they're not going to say, well, your book is a little bit old at this point, so we're not going to accept it. You know, you can write it, they'll edit it and post it if they feel it's um, a fit for their site. Uh, But you can, you know, make these connections with people in the media um, you know, even if the book's a little bit older, so that they know that you're a trusted source, they know you're an expert in this field, and they could even, you know, come back to you uh, for expert commentary. We say this too, you know, when it becomes old or not, but uh, just because it's closer to a year, you know, doesn't mean the opportunities go away. Yeah. I would add to that too, that I think speaking to the media in terms of, uh, it doesn't always have to be you creating the content, but if you're seeing a certain news story, a study, another author, going to not just talking to nonfiction but fiction, if you see another book release that comes out, or an author who um, is is sharing something personally, you, you know, sh- just sharing that story, showing how it connects to your platform, to your messaging, 
and you know just sharing a really cool article you enjoyed reading and and two three sentences of why you why you liked it that can be a great social media post so it's not mm-hmm. always about creating the content on your own but you can use other content that's out there and just put your stamp on it a little bit definitely repurposing content and, and be flexible for the media good advice reduce reuse recycle <laughs> very much about that in the content space <laughs> What other opportunities do you see social media giving to self-published authors and what challenges? Um, I think, well, for one, you know, this is kind of the pro and the con is that anybody can do it. Um, So the pro being, you know, if you are posting the right content, you know, engaging with the right audiences, using the right hashtags, things like that, you can really grow a social media following uh, within a few months, like a pretty established, you know, trust trusting audience that are going to interact with you um, and, you know, spread the word about you as an author and things like that. But as I said, it's also the con because there's so many other people out there doing the same thing. So, you know, it kind of has to, you kind of have to think of it, you know, what makes me different? Um, You know, what kind of post, what kind of things can I share that nobody else is necessarily sharing? You know, if that's the, co- the messages in your story is most likely that, and that's great. Um, but, you know, just using some different content creation and, you know, sharing some different articles, as Marissa said, just, um, you know, keeping it fresh, you know, not just there's a phrase that I heard not too long ago where authors commonly post and ghost, which means they'll <laughs> post when the book is relevant and then ghost yeah. themselves and go silent when it's not, you know, when the, um, you know, when they, when the book is already released. Um, so you just want to keep engaging. Um, you know, you don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, you know, it's great to look at your analytics to see when you're, who is, you know, what gender is your, uh, book relating to most, what uh, age group is looking at your social media, what time of day is your post getting the most interaction. A lot of those uh, social media sites will tell you that. Uh, so to keep an eye on the analytics too, because you want to be posting when your audience is, you know, scrolling through their phones, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, so it is it is a little tricky because there are so many, there's so many people on social media out there, obviously. So it is, um, you know, a little harder to stand out, but that doesn't mean you know, again, as I had said, um, you know, that doesn't mean if you have a few hundred followers and are getting a steady amount of likes, that isn't a failure either. That's, you know, you're still engaging with an audience who exists and who wants to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also adding to that, that um, the way you're delivering the content can mm-hmm. keep you kind of unique and fresh. So, if you see that kind of, you know, it's great to look at your comps as well. Who are their comp- comparable authors? Who are others in your space? And what are they posting? Yes. And mm-hmm. if you see that a few of them are posting primarily written posts, maybe think about doing more video. Maybe think about doing a little bit more, um, you know, kind of images and, and uh, creating really cool kind of graphics or something like that. And there's so many programs that are available. We love Canva.com yeah. is a really... It's a free platform where you can create social media graphics, and um, there's uh, th- those are just great ways to stand out and and pepper in some unique ways of, of sharing content. You know, everybody likes to engage with different things. You know, mm-hmm. one one person might like to read a post more, while another person might really enjoy watching a video to learn something or to engage with someone. So, kind of changing it up and keeping your content fresh, not just from the actual you know what's in the content but the way it's delivered to I think can um, can keep you going yeah. and can help you to stand out and I think it's important to um, to make it human you know mm-hmm. the uh, the audience doesn't want to just hear from you know a book 
if, if that makes sense. You know, they want to they want to see you on those social media posts too. So if you have a selfie of you with the book, post it. If you took a picture of your dog laying next to it, go ahead and do that. It doesn't even need the book in it necessarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, to just kind of say, you know, hey, you know, this is my social media page too. I just want to share, as everybody else does, what I'm doing in the world and why I think you will enjoy it. You know, it doesn't just have to be strictly book quotes, book quotes, book images, things like that. You know, they like to see that there's uh, there's an author, there's a human behind the, this book and this account, um, and they want to interact with them. Mm-hmm. Speaking of interacting, we have a client right now running an ad on Facebook for his uh, History of Christianity book, uh, which has brought out some trolls. How would you recommend someone handle that situation? Right now, he's responding to everyone and taking their arguments at face value. I think the best way to kind of handle them is to ignore them. Uh, you know, because you don't want to, you know, even if you're kind of defending the message, you don't want to upset even more people. Even if, you know, it isn't an upsetting message, you know, it's just, you know, the nature of that book in particular, you know, the people just have, you know, negative things to say about religion for whatever reason. Um, and politics is a really big one too. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen that on our own social media. If we represent a, uh, a book that has anything to do with like a political message, it doesn't even have to be like election based or any issues that revolve around like a politics, like, um, you know, gun control, uh, you know, immigration, those things, they come out of the woodworks. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's a person you've never seen before and they just share their feelings because they feel, you know, that social media allows that expression. Um, but for the most part, I would just kind of leave them be if they are continuously, you know, harassing you to a point where you're uncomfortable, you can go ahead and block them. I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, you're they're putting this negative spin on something that shouldn't be negative. Uh, you know, they're just kind of saying their piece, even if it's not peaceful. <laughs> um, I think that can happen. That can happen a lot on Facebook. That happens all the time on Twitter, um, a little bit on Instagram, maybe LinkedIn. I haven't really seen any, you know, trolls on LinkedIn out there. But, mm-hmm. um, but as long as you aren't like pressing with it and kind of feeding the beast a little bit more, I think they go away. Um, and if you need to take action to make sure they are are not ac- accessible to your page, you can go ahead and do that too. Um, but it just, you don't want to poke the bear any more than he's already yeah. been. Speaking of political books, how does Smith deal with having a book where, say, you disagree with the political outlook of the author? Do you still represent them? Yeah, no, that that's a great question. And, and especially in today's world, there's a lot of... Um, of polarizing opinions, and um, you know, I think that we really try to uh, to hear everyone's voice and hear everyone's opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, mm-hmm. um, and we we don't only represent you know books that focus on one political party or another or political view or another. Um, I think if it's um, appropriateness is always uh, something yeah. we're looking for, of course, um, and the way in which a message is delivered. Um, certainly, if it's through a a, um, a channel that includes a lot of profanity or or <clears throat> anything that feels um, very derogatory or inappropriate, we try to stray away from that. And really, because in the end, I mean, again, looking at it from the media perspective, the media is not going to want to cover that. Mm-hmm. The media is going to want to likely cover something that is delivering a really well-presented message. It's fine if it's on a different different side of the table than, than what somebody might t- be talking about or something you disagree with. But, um, you know, it's it's just they're going to want to cover something that is well-presented well too. So uh, we, you know, 
we don't let our own political beliefs or anything like that stand in the way of someone's message if it's if it's delivered well. So did you have to prove to Facebook that you weren't Russian spies? Because we did. <laughs> did you? <laughs> no, they haven't asked me any. Oh they haven't asked me any history questions or said, "Are you sure you're not Russian?" Uh, no, that's that's interesting that they made you guys do that. <laughs> we got a letter mailed to us from Facebook with a code that we then had to enter online to be able to share anything, even touching politics. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. we don't often like at least from my perspective, don't often run ads yeah. on Facebook yeah. uh, because we kind of have an organic audience already built that, okay. you know, unless it's like a, a post that we really want to like share the message about. Um, if it's a really big uh, hit that somebody has gotten and we really want to just expand the word about it is usually when I do an ad. Um, but it's not usually, it's not some sort of ad that would say, you know, we represent political books, you know, where Facebook would be alarmed by that, you know, just saying the word politics, I guess, is a red flag for them nowadays. Um so I guess that's why we haven't really run into that issue. Yeah. We'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> what sort of trends are you expecting in 2020 in the publishing industry? Oh, I like that. Um, I think that on the publishing side, for sure, um, expecting to see more of these hybrids popping up um, that will give authors another option to consider. Um, I think that there will be um, more pressure for everyone to to deliver because there are options to pick from. So whether you're a traditional publisher or you are a hybrid publisher or a self-publisher, authors are going to expect more and more from the options they have available to them. And so I think that, uh, you know, being able to, to, to prove your worth, to show your, you know, show your track record and to, um, to really show how you're a good fit for them. Um, it's going to be important. Um, you know, really, I think some like specialization seems to be something that I think might be coming up. So kind of, uh, having, you know, being able to show that you might specialize in a certain genre or specialize in a certain goal that people have. Um, so, you know, if it's for us, we might want with a certain sector of our business to be able to show that we are really great at being able to take individuals who are interested in speaking and driving them toward new opportunities in that space. Um, if we're talking about fiction, to be able to say that on another part of our of our business, because we have kind of genre sectors, if you will, on the fiction side, that we are really, you know, that we're really strong at getting those literary reviews that are that are really desired or getting in front of the bookstagrammer community that's so important. But I think just really being able to show that your work is not for everyone either, <laughs> that it's really specialized and for the right goals, the right authors, um, that will that will help uh, you know all of our all the professionals in the industry to continue standing out and um, you know and and that. People are again and expecting more. Though I think they're expecting you know more of that authenticity and the 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 human approach to it too is um, again I don't want to sound like an ad or anything like that, but that's something that I feel like between Smith and Book Baby that we have in common. We truly care about the authors that we get to work with. We really want to give them as much of a hands-on approach as we can and show them that we care about walking them through the process. And um, I think you know, people are looking for more and more of that because there's so much automation out there that if they can have, they can actually have that person, that's, that's going to be really important. Um, in terms of genre trends, wow, it would, I would say it's kind of, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of discussion in the self-help space about like anxiety and stress and depression. Um, you know, we're continuing to see more and more titles coming out in that space and, and the connections between work and life. 
There's no yeah. such thing as work-life balance anymore. It's work-life <laughs> integration one, yes. is kind of what we're calling it. Um, in in the fiction space, you know, the middle grade and YA space continues to grow, and and um, there's still a lot of great trends we're seeing there. So um, yeah, I just I think it's an exciting year ahead, and I have been super excited to see just over my years at Smith the resurgence of printed books and. They're coming back with a vengeance, and they're they're here to stay. I think so. Um, interesting to see how kind of ebooks and audiobooks continue to play against each other too, and as that space grows as well. So let's get into some specifics about these books. Uh, what's the most unique marketing plan you've heard of, and did it work? It was an author named Julian Brass who uh, created a great kind of book movement called Own Your Anxiety. Um, but he was really trying to get into that influencer space. He knew that that was a unique um, audience for him. So we kind of created influencer list for him so that he can reach out to them directly and promote the book, not just with this bookstagrammer community, but people that, you know, follow just somebody's everyday lives. Uh, we created promotional boxes for him. So, you know, there was these, you know, we sent the book little essential oils and you know branded uh, I think a branded mug was in there uh, to really key members of the media to say here's you know some goodies for you <laughs> this book is coming out hint hint um, which it was interesting because I think a lot of them you know were able to interact um, and just say you know this would you know I've received this thank you but it wasn't an immediate yes you know like I got this free mug so I'm gonna use this guy for everything uh, they were it was certainly opened the book for him, them no pun intended, um, <laughs> to say, you know, I'll keep them in mind, certainly. Um, but it was it, it was interesting. You know, it was more about, well, I think that one stands out to Marissa and I, because it was more about uh, promoting a movement than just a book. No, I completely agree. I think when we got started with Julian on his project, you know, he had a lot of really unique and different ideas. Mm -hmm. It was really outside of the box in terms of, again, thinking about how to tap into the influencer community, how to, uh, because of the, the messaging of his book, about anxiety it wasn't just about going after anxiety associations and organizations. He was actually, he attended a lot of wellness retreats and um, was taking part in like wellness expos and events and smaller going to yoga studios and things. So again, he was really thinking about where his audience lived and targeting his efforts there versus because listen, pretty much everybody deals with anxiety. I'm sure <laughs> at one point or another. So he was someone who could have said, my book applies to everyone. Right. This is a book for everyone. But he really thought about who is the most kind of obvious audience first that we can really dig into and then continue to start building it out from there. So just from this past year, that was one that definitely stands out yeah. for sure. Have you ever been surprised by the success of a specific book? The first one that comes to mind, not necessarily the success, but I worked with a author by the name of uh, M.L. Rosnick, and if I said that name incorrectly, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but she created this uh, this middle grade read about basketball and pirates, which kind of integrated okay. a little bit. And I won't go any further <laughs> than that, but Shaquille um, <laughs> O'Neal was a surprise guest at the end of the book. Like he had a, he had a bigger role than I anticipated and she really wanted to try to get the book to him. Um, and she was a self-published author. So I was like, all right, I'll, you know, I was able to find somebody that hosted his podcast and they put me in touch with his agent. And I was like, just shot in the dark was like, you know, here's this information. Can I send you a copy of the book? And they said, yeah, you'll read it. I was like, really? <laughs> I was just so surprised. Not, it wasn't because of the level of her book. It was because of the level Shaquille O'Neal is at, you know, who's a huge <laughs> name. Like, I'm sure he gets requests all the time. So for them, I don't 
it never gotten any further than that. I don't know, Shaq, if you had picked up the book or not, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm sure he's uh, exactly. <laughs> listening. Yes. Um, but just in that regard that they were even interested in it really surprised me. <laughs> yeah, really cool. I think it's so important as an author. We're talking about a lot of realistic things here and, and really kind of a grounding yourself and what you're doing and setting your goals. But um, I think it's, Jim Collins talks about the BHAG goals, your big, hairy, audacious goals to think about. Like when you're, whenever you're embarking on any new project, set those for yourself. Work toward those. Clearly for ML, it was, the goal was to get this book in the hands of Shaq. And I mean, they're big hands to get into. And, you know, that was what she was determined to get there. And that might not happen in a month. It might not happen in a year, but you yeah, know, it took time. setting those goals is really important for yourself. And, 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 you know, as cheesy as it sounds, reaching for the stars is so important when you have something you're super passionate about and, and it's part of your creativity behind you. So, um, yeah, I encourage people to set their, their BHAGs. <laughs> Speaking of famous athletes, I saw you had Venus Williams endorsing one of your books. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really exciting to, to see sometimes the names that can pop up unexpectedly behind certain projects that, that we get a chance to work with. And, um, you know, we've uh, there was one not too long ago that the author's next-door neighbor was Alec Baldwin. <laughs> and... He, just because they were neighbors, they knew each other, and, you know, there was kind of a discussion around how could we possibly utilize Alec Baldwin to help, you know, promote this project. And uh, so I remember that, that Alec Baldwin was doing something at the time, and he was going to be on one of the late night shows. And so, he, you know, and he said, I'd be happy to try to, like, plug your book on the late night show, whichever one it was. Um, I think it was pre Jimmy Fallon and all that, so it was like Letterman or, or Leno or something. And he he did that, and so actually the author and his wife were able to come and sit in the audience nearby, and uh, and he did plug the book. But in preparing for it, you know, Alec needed to learn a little bit more of what he should say, what we wanted him to say. So there was a day where Alec Baldwin called Smith Publicity <laughs> and talked to the publicist for the project, and she gave him a few kind of little tidbits about the book and of things to mention. And so it was an exciting day when Alec Baldwin called Smith Publicity. <laughs> and I know, um, just thinking some other uh, celebrities that endorsed books this year, I know Robin Roberts did right. uh, put a Laura book on her, yeah, on her uh, book club, not book club, but um, best books of 2019 list that Good Morning America did. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Richards from The Real Housewives did a promotion of one of the books. Yep. Um, there was a few others that... I, that if I saw the post, I would remember. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we worked with a. I worked with an author who I believe was through Broke Baby HP. Wait, Haley. Her family was well connected, and she was a good friend of Matt Damon's. So he posted a picture with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just these like yeah. little connections that you don't realize that people have, and it's like oh, we got to utilize this. <laughs> yeah, we also had um, a really exciting thing. Just and that wasn't a connection actually, but something that happened with kind of a, a famous entity right now. Um, another book baby author of ours, her name's uh, Sophie Poldermans. She's a book um, right. called. I was just emailing her. Were you? We oh, love Sophie. Um, her book was called um, "Seducing and Killing Nazis," which is a really interesting, you know, title and and um, and grabs attention right away. Um, so there's a really famous podcast called "My Favorite Murder" that's out right now that has a huge following, and uh, and because of a, a podcast interview that we had secured for Sophie, uh, the hosts of the show were researching the story of the women featured in her book and came across Sophie's podcast and actually talked about Sophie and the book on the podcast. And 
really neat. So all of a sudden, uh, the the day after the podcast aired, she shot up to number one in the category of um, Dutch history because there was about Dutch female resistance, teenage resistance fighters during World War II. Um, and that might sound like an obscure category, but that means that she was above the Diary of Anne Frank. So that's you know, kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> what projects are you working on right now that you're excited about? One that we're really excited about that we're working on in the business space is um, the former CEO of Campbell Soup, so keeping it local uh, with Campbell Soup based in Camden here. Um, former CEO Doug Conant has his next book uh, that he's releasing it a, a book a few years back, uh, releasing in March, and so we're working on that. We're really excited about that one. Um, we have a few uh, few titles that we're working with um, Nelson Books on right now, um, and uh, some some really exciting work coming out early in the year um, with them. I've been working with a few self help journals, which I think are very interesting. Um, you know. There are a few different titles, but they, you know, just the message in them I think is really cool. You know, th- mm-hmm. the fact that it's a journal and that you can kind of create your own adventure with it. Um, I know from other people at Smith, um, they're working on a lot of Wattpad titles uh, with Wattpad's mm-hmm. uh, release of print books. Yeah. Um, What's Wattpad? It's a website where people write their own stories, um, but it's a lot of like fan fiction, young adult, things like that. But um, it turned into a publishing house. So they're these titles that are really big on Wattpad, you know, people can download them, uh, read them on their e-readers, computers, and comment, and it's like very, you know, that young audience. Um, but they created print books of their most successful Wattpad stories, uh, which we, we're currently working with that team to promote these books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think it's just such a new space that that's, you know, that's always one that catches my attention. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> yeah. There's one that um, is actually from, was published in, August, but is getting some really nice attention right now, um, was through um, the publisher Nicholas Brealey. The book's called Epic Continent by Nicholas Duber, and it's a, a really neat look at um, at literature uh, and old stories from Beowulf and, and you know, back in, the, in that time period and how different European cities and, and places in Europe influenced the stories and the telling of those stories. Um, and it was actually just named one of the best books by of the year by NPR and National Geographic. So that's just a really cool one that's getting some really nice attention right now. Um, but, you know, we're, uh, we have a number of, of titles getting ready for next year. They're super diverse, anything from fiction and working with small publishers to some of our traditionally published titles and business and self-help and you name yeah. it um, across the board. We've got uh, starting up in, in January, the, the release isn't going to be till March, but um, we have actually another book baby, um, two authors together, Chris Berg and Paul Smith, if you're out there, <laughs> they're, uh, they're going to be working with us, um, getting started with a book called The Night Police. And they're two former law enforcement um, individuals that different backgrounds, but they're, they're telling kind of fictionalized stories of, of experiences in law enforcement. And there's, there's such interesting true crime right now and um and even uh even one of them was um was a law in law enforcement in california during the time of the golden state killer you know when they were active so this is just uh, a really interesting time and super timely that this conversation is going on and so we'll be kicking off publicity for that one um in uh in in early march like late february timing so we're excited to build some buzz around that one as well Great. Well, I think that just about does it. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much, Sam. It was yes. great, to, great to be here with you today and excited about what's next for yes. 2020. <laughs> Thank you. Well, 
that ran a little longer than expected. Thanks again to Lindsay Bradowski and Marissa Eigenbrud of Smith Publicity for providing their expertise. If you're interested in a consultation with Smith or to publish with BookBaby, please reach out to us. Info at bookbaby.com or 877-961-6878. Thanks as always to Jim and Brian for their support. My name's Sam Saddam, and until next time, this has been the BookBaby Spotlight Podcast. Spotlight Podcast.